Hello, everybody. It is great to be here again one more time today. My name is Gary Fowler. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. I've been involved in 17 startups. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also EVA.AI, an AI HR tech company that I co-founded with Dr. David Jang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread at GSD around the world, but opportunities aren't. GSD stands for Get Shit Done Venture Studios, of which I'm the CEO and president. So today, I'd like to introduce Pranav Sangsvi. Pranav is an investor. He's a certified scuba diver. And today, we're going to talk about the ecosystem in India and what it's like. So with that, I'd like to bring Pranav on. Hi, Pranav. How are you? Hi, Gary. Hi. Nice to catch up again. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So... Okay, tell me about the scuba diving. Where do you go scuba diving? Oh, it's 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 quite interesting, actually. I was on a boys' trip in uh, Indonesia. That's uh, you know I, where I first got curious about it, and uh, I wanted to get certified. So uh, I, I I traveled to Sri Lanka, did a dive there, and then eventually I was uh, on my way to Egypt to get uh, certified. So I did. Uh, both of my certifications, the beginners and the advanced, at uh, this beautiful place called uh, Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt. Oh, I know Sharm. Sure. Uh, yeah, I spent a good. I know the place. So I know that a lot of uh, Russians would go to Sharm El Sheikh and they, uh, for their vacations. So, did you see any of the lionfish? Did you see any fish down there that were quite curious for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, on the contrary. There's way too many lionfish, especially, uh, you know, on the night dives. And, and, you know, you need to be careful. You can't, you know, you shouldn't touch them, of course. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. You should, you should visit sometime if you're, if you're interested. Now, how deadly are they, Pranav? Because you hear the stories about the lionfish. In fact, we have some of those down in Florida because people's aquariums during the hurricane had sometimes spilled out or people would put them into the ocean. But how uh, dangerous are they? So what's the deal? Can you touch them? Will it kill you? Or what happens with a lionfish? Uh, they don't. They could probably sting you. And I mean, you, you don't want that kind of an incident on, you know, a 10-day diving trip. So you'd rather, I, I didn't try, but that's a good question. Probably I'm going to forward this to my one instructor. One of those prank, prank shows. What about barracuda and sharks? Do they have those there? So we did. Uh, I, I did see, uh, uh, you know, a handful of sharks. In fact, not not in Egypt, but uh, I, I saw them in Maldives uh, earlier this year when I was there for, uh, uh, you know, for a holiday. And uh, uh, in uh, they say that Egypt also has some great points where you can see some sharks, but uh, uh, not for me. I didn't see it the last time I went. Hopefully, the next time. Yeah, we have a lot of those. I'm down in my place in Florida right now, and last week I was down in Key West. And I've seen fins in the water, just like in the movies. And I've been in a situation where there's a, uh, on the Gulf of Mexico, there's a little lagoon and there's a pipe that goes through. So there's saltwater crocodiles, American crocodiles there, and also bull sharks. And I don't know if you know about the bull sharks, but they're pretty aggressive. And, uh, and uh, they wait for the fish to come through this little tunnel and they grab them when they're coming through. It's exciting. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, you've done a lot of different things in your life. It's amazing. So you went to uh, R.A. Podar College, 
But then you, how in the world did you go from, uh, you know, where you were in college, you know, through to the football league, to Reachberry Ventures, to being a disc jockey? Now, how in the world did you become a disc jockey? So I, I, I remember in college, I was, I was uh, you know, an active participant in a lot of these uh, uh, inter-college festivals. And we, we have, you know, it, it's quite a big deal over here. So I, I used to actively participate. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the years when I was a junior, uh, you know, one of my seniors just put my name in for a DJ contest. And they were like, look, um, I know you don't know how to DJ, but uh, we're going to get participation points anyway. So, I mean, just, just go on stage and show your face. And uh, I, I thought it wasn't a big deal, but, uh, but you know, I jumped on stage to see about four thousand people out there, and uh, that that got me curious. Of course, was it fun, you know, uh, was it fun in front of four thousand people? Did you feel like uh, Freddie Mercury, or what happened? So how was? Uh, it? Not really, not really, because I, I that was the first time I was seeing a DJ console because I had no idea, you know, before that how to DJ, and I got booed off stage that time, but. Uh, 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 you know, that, that, that probably, you know, I took that on as a challenge and, uh, you know, precisely three years later, uh, we were headlining that festival. We were playing the main set, the main DJ set at that festival and, uh, but, you know, with a little more than 4,000 people and, uh, you know, only this time I didn't get booed. So, um, well, uh, I mean, I, I, how was that to get booed off the stage? What did it feel like? Um, it was embarrassing, but, uh, I think I got the points for my college. So I was proud at the end of the day. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. Well, you know, you got to always see opportunity in adversity. That's great. And so you did that. That's amazing. And then you went to uh, one to one music LP uh, and you were doing uh, mass production, your mass producer, music producer and a disc jockey. Uh, OK, so how did your world did you get to the point where you're um, at Patronus, an early stage venture firm, how did you do, move to the to each one of these different uh, companies? They're so di diverse and, and in some senses uh, diametrically opposed. So, uh, you know, for me, it, it started off as a passion, music, and then it turned into a profession. You know, we, we, we quickly saw, you know, ourselves playing big music festivals and nightclubs across the country and even globally. But... Uh, uh, you know, I think uh, passion or any creative field has a shelf life and probably, you know, we, we reached ours by the end of it. Also, uh, there were some larger responsibilities coming our way with, you know, regards to our core business and, uh, you know, an extension of our business, which is now the family office. So that's, you know, when responsibility struck me, I started, uh, uh, you know, learning. And uh, for me, it's a paradigm shift because, you uh, I, I was really bad at numbers, you know, in college and school. And, you know, uh, immediately out of college, I started getting a little curious with, uh, you know, finance. And uh, now now I'm here. Yeah, I'm handling two funds on my own. So it's, now, uh, I think it's been a... Enough? How big are the funds? Uh, they're still they're, they're early stage funds. So, uh, uh, I mean, these are the family office primarily uh, would be about, uh, you know, two, two and a half million. Uh, Petronas, which is my uh, recently formed micro VC, is relatively smaller than that. But I think the agenda across both these funds are relatively different. So we're, we're not only looking at capital investments, uh, we're also looking at, you know, proactively partnering or collaborating with these founders, learning a lot on the way. And uh, of course, using our network to probably unlock growth for them. 
And so uh, how long has it been in existence? So you've been, so Patronus you've only had for six months, correct? Yeah, about more or less. And how, how about the family office? How long has that been? You've been working with the family office. So while the family office has been there for a considerable time now, it's been two years for me, uh, uh, you know, considering the learning experience, the journey, and of course, making the first few investment decisions. It's been about two, two and a half years. But wow. uh, the funds are, the, the, yeah. What about, what's going on with the startup ecosystem in India right now? How do the, are they, do you, are you seeing a lot of the pre-seed and seed companies and, and what's, what's the future look like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Gary, you know this uh, as well. It is now, India is the third largest startup ecosystem, you know, globally. And uh, of course, rapidly growing even further. Um, just recently, we hit uh, about 82 unicorns, out of which about 50% of these were, uh, you know, received unicorn status only this year. So, I mean, you know, that speaks heaps about, uh, uh, you know, the growth trajectory that the country is on in terms of, uh, you know, the startup ecosystem. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, seed and uh, pre-seed and early stage startups, there's, there's, you know, tremendous amount of potential. You see new ideas, uh, new founders, uh, you know, very ambitious founders born every day. I mean, um, uh, you know, we, we see ideas thrown at us every day and, you know, some of which we couldn't even think existed. So it, it there's tremendous potential. And what's the difference? How do you go... So you're in Mumbai now. So how do you search for companies in other regions? Are you just uh, focused on Mumbai? Not, not essentially. So, uh, you know, while uh, Mumbai, Bangalore and Delhi uh, seem to be at the center of this movement, uh, you see a lot of action now happening out of the smaller cities as well, which include, you know, uh, Ahmedabad and you have uh, uh, Indore and you have Chandigarh and a bunch of other cities. So, uh, uh, you know, the quickest way to get in, in touch is I, I, I like to keep ourselves extremely accessible. I love speaking with founders because, uh, you know, it's a great learning experience for me as well. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're extremely accessible. If someone has an idea, you know, they have my email address, they have, uh, uh, you know, different ways to get in touch. And we make sure that we're, uh, uh, you know, as responsive as possible. So I think the accessibility makes makes a huge difference. No, that's great. And what about in terms of the types of companies, Pranav, what are you seeing now? What kind of companies? So if you could take the top three, you know, companies, what, what's number one in terms of your opinion? What, what do they look like? Are they AI B2B and focused on what? What do you see? FinTech? I, I, I put... Uh, in in India, if you if you see the grow uh, if you see the potential in India right now, what's what's doing particularly well uh, is the edtech space, uh, especially edtech for rural India. Uh, you see massive consolidation happening in that space. Uh, in addition to that, you know even fintech for that matter, especially uh, you know again fintech for rural India, uh, massive consolidation, great valuations. I think a great kind of uh, uh, you know top lines in that space as well, but. You know, Gary, uh, speaking about this, um, while a lot of the larger funds or, you know, a lot of uh, more organized VCs might might have a very, uh, uh, you know, restrictive investment thesis for us, I think uh, we, we've adopted an extremely open approach. 
uh, were completely sector agnostic. Uh, I, I'd love to listen to ideas, you know, right from, uh, uh, you know, the consumer space until, uh, you know, deep tech or space tech, because I think everything interests me. So, but speaking about good sectors, I think uh, the ed tech and the, the, the fintech space are doing extremely well right now in the country. No, that's great. There's the emergence of, uh, uh, you know, the D2C space as well. You see, uh, uh, you know, uh, a tremendous upside on the D2C space simply because, uh, you know, the internet is also rapidly picking up uh, pace even in the smaller areas of the country. So, you know, D2C is also rapidly picking up right now. And so, you know, that's that's right, the uh, democratization opportunity. And so if you look at it, I mean, what's the current population today of India? 1.2 billion, 1.3 billion. I mean, it's. I know it was a little over a billion, but where, what is it today? Do you know? Uh, from what I hear in the news, it's 1.2 billion, but I'm sure I'm sure it's considerably more than that. Yeah, yeah, I know it's growing. It's just it's interesting. It's amazing to me because there's so many intellectuals, so much of a focus on education and technology. I mean, doctors. I mean, it, it, you know, and IT professionals, it's just amazing. It's like a sweet spot. We work a lot with uh, IIT. Tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, I mean, IIT, you hear, when you look at some of the top companies in the United States, the CEOs are from IIT. Why is that? Um, well, Gary, uh, you've brought back a memory. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd appeared for the IIT exam back in the day about, uh, you know, almost a decade back, and uh, I didn't clear it. But uh, I think it's a perspective that, uh, you know, an IIT or, uh, uh, you know, the Indian Institute of Management, the IIM pass out uh, would definitely be a better fit in a founder role. But uh, I, I think, you know, something concrete behind that is the fact that there is a proven track record of the hard work they've exhibited, you know, across such competitive exams, both of which, you know, are some of uh, amongst the most competitive exams in the world. So. Uh, you know, when when you're an IIT or IIM pass out, I think you're, uh, you know, you've automatically proven yourself to be a hard worker. But but I think, uh, you know, I've seen some uh, tremendous founder potential in uh, founders coming out of institutes apart from these as well. So while that bias remains, I think globally and within the country, I think that's slowly changing. Yeah, no, I got it. And what do you think? What is the... What do you see happening over the next two to three years in India with the ecosystem? I I think you know I think we're in the center of something great right now, and this this there, there couldn't be a better time. In fact, you know the last couple of years themselves have been uh, uh, you know have have proven in terms of metrics what uh, the growth trajectory for the country is and can be. Um, also, I think uh, you know in in terms of solutions. Uh, a few years back, a lot of solutions that were used in India were either, uh, you know, brought from abroad or were at the time located abroad. But now what you see is, uh, uh, you know, the country is adopting more homemade solutions, which naturally is, you know, going to be a pro for the whole startup ecosystem and for opportunity as a whole. So, uh, uh, you know, I feel the next two, three years are going to enable or, you know, uh, rather encourage people to to participate in this wave to I think create beautiful products and beautiful services and um, um, you know that's that's I think by 2030 you're going to see this as the center of the startup ecosystem or maybe even earlier. 
No, that's that's amazing. Well, you know, like you said, the number three uh, country in the world and growing like crazy because it's just incredible technologists. What's the um, how has COVID been impacting the uh, startup ecosystem? Pranav? Is is are there lockdowns now with COVID again or what's happening with that? So while, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, the situation is still extremely serious and, uh, you know, the pandemic has played an important role in, in uh, you know, in a positive or negative, of course, manner. Uh, I think India is relatively safer as against public misconception. It's still relatively safer as a lot of, uh, uh, you know, countries probably in the Euro in Europe or Africa or, you know, in the South America. So while it is serious, it, it, it's not accelerated again to that level. Uh, when it did, uh, yes, I think, uh, uh, you know, revenues were massively hit because of the pandemic uh, this, and, and of course, as a consequence of which the startup ecosystem had slowed down. But uh, I think we've picked up pace and how, uh, uh, you know, this year has been wonderful. Uh, investments are back on track. You see more and more people uh, engaging with startups, not only investors, but even advisors, even, uh, you know, partners, everyone is looking at a collaborative movement with this ecosystem. So I think we're back on track pretty much. No, that's great. And well, and tools like Zoom and StreamYard and all these uh, Google Meets and all these different tools that are out there to really help us to be able to connect and to be able to keep the the uh, startups moving forward. I mean, the toughest thing I hear from the startups is how do I get in front of these investors when they don't know me, right? And it used to be you would have a one-on-one -on -one meeting like with yourself, right? How many times do you meet them in person now compared to, uh, you know, two years ago, right? How is that? It's changed a bit. Gary, you'll be surprised in the last two years, I've only done four physical meetings with startup founders. That's it. And, uh, you know, the last the last two years have, have I think I've seen uh, a lot of a considerable amount of opportunities, but I've met only four uh, prospective founders. Of course, you know, we try to meet all our startup founders once, you know, we have something at bay. But uh, in terms of pitches, I, I think the last two years I've done only four physical meetings. So, I mean, you'll be surprised. But I think that's also good, right? Because, uh, you know, you're cutting, you're saving a lot of time. Uh, you're saving a lot of travel. And I think it's just saving more a lot time. Of time you don't have to spend the money on those trips. So how far out do you go, Pranav? So do you go to cities um, throughout India today? So in terms of even though you're not physically there, do you go to cities or are you in Madras or Hyderabad or do you go to those cities in terms of looking for the startups or do they come from you? How do you get them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, uh, you know, the premise of, uh, 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 you know, meeting founders for us has been participating with a lot of these incubators and accelerators and, you know, LPs across the country who we have great relations with. So, um, uh, you know, I have been on the panel for some of these IIM, uh, uh, you know, startup competitions and, you know, some, some, some from IIT as well, which I think provides startup founders with a great background to meet, uh, uh, you know, early stage investors. Also for us, uh, uh, you know, the great, the great prospects in terms of, uh, uh, you know, investments and collaborations. And, uh, uh, you know, for us, I think primarily as a family business uh, who's into manufacturing, uh, we're constantly looking at newer technology, which, uh, you know, not only could we invest in, but we could also collaborate with to probably, uh, 
you know, scale our business technologically as well. So I think, you know, we have multiple motives behind our presence in the whole venture capital ecosystem. And I think that also makes it easier to source uh, or to meet newer founders. What kind of what kind of uh, business is a family in? What is what type of manufacturing? So primarily we're into textile machinery manufacturing. We make shuttle and shuttleless looms uh, on which, of course, so the cloth is made. And uh, we also uh, are present in the foundry ecosystem. So we make, uh, you know, casting and bearing for various uh, Indian and global organizations. So that remains the cross, uh, the core of our business. And an extension of it is uh, the MABS family office where uh, we look at opportunities across uh, real estate, retail, and, uh, you know, again, in the startup ecosystem as well. Interesting. All right, listen, we're coming to the uh, end of the show. So final thoughts and how do people reach you? Uh, just get in touch with me. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine sharing my email address on the show. It's, it's P-R-A-N-A-V at MabsIndia.com. Uh, you could also drop me a message on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, I try to be as responsive as possible. And, yeah. Or, or if you're friends with Gary, then, you know, that's a one up. So. I love that. I love that. Now that's fantastic. And you're doing a great job, Pranav. And we know we need to keep the world moving forward. We got to solve a lot of the complex problems we have out there today and we need to work together. We need to collaborate because we're, we're just at the beginning of the dawn of this incredible era. We're going to have data around us and we're going to have tools and machine learning and deep learning to be able to solve a lot of problems to live longer, to live better and to live more uh, interesting uh, lives. So it's companies like the ones that are in India, they're going to help drive that forward throughout the world. And we're counting on each and every participant to be able to drive. With that, I'd like to say thanks to my audience for tuning in one more time to GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned because I'll be back with another edition this Thursday. Stay safe, stay health, healthy, and most importantly, stay happy. And I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks, Pranav. I really appreciate you taking your time today. Thanks, Gary. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, have a happy new year. Bye-bye. You too. See you.